To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach, combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Williams with The Hidden Gateway Podcast. I want to thank everyone so much for joining us this morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you're located in the world. So here we have it, our, our webinar uh, titled The Hidden Narcissist. And first and foremost, I want to thank you for joining us. I also want to thank our, our guests here. Um, we have uh, Dr. Angel Storm, as well as Yasmin Ibrahim and Angie Atkinson. And I would like for them to take a moment just to introduce themselves and tell a little bit about uh, their background. And we'll start with you, Dr. Storm. Uh, thank you so much for having me on today, Justin. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Uh, my name is Dr. Angel Storm. I'm the owner of The Manifold Mind. I'm a certified life coach, and I specialize in helping people recover from narcissistic abuse as well as going through the process of divorcing a narcissist or facing a narcissist in a custody situation. All right. And how about you, Yasmin? Hello, everybody. Um, very glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me and lovely to meet uh, Dr. Storm and Angie also, who seems to have just disappeared. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, I'll leave you to, to get her back whilst I introduce myself. So I'm a um, life and business intuitive guide and a healer. Uh, I mentor people in self-connection where they may become, may have become disconnected through trauma and life experiences and challenges, anything from uh, emotional, physical, mental. Uh, it's my journey to make sure that as many people become uh, connected and live in their truth um, and stand up for their truth. So that's, that's pretty much my journey. Personally, go, having gone through narcissism, uh, displayed some of the traits myself, which I was actively denying for a long time, um, which took a lot of self-reflection. Um, I help people uh, with relationships and the relationship with themselves to understand who they are and understand people better so they're not putting themselves in these situations. All right. Thank you so much. And Dr. Storm, I want to ask you first, uh, for, for those that, that may not be aware, can you just give us a brief breakdown of what narcissistic abuse is and, and how people get entangled in that uh, mm. type of relationship? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, narcissistic abuse can manifest itself differently in the people, in, in each individual who's on the receiving end of the abuse. But um, uh, narcissism as a whole uh, typically 
um, narcissists will exhibit traits that are very uh, self-centered and all of their motivations from those uh, from those traits are about themselves. I call them energy vampires. So they're after control and they'll use manipulation in various ways to get it. So, um, so for example, they can't stand to not be the center of attention for, for example. Uh, and they're, they're always after something that is serving them to either further them in their in their personal life in their professional life or whatever the situation may be and they're able to disguise themselves into whatever um whatever situation they're in so they can camouflage themselves very well and people who experience narcissistic abuse are on this roller coaster of emotions that that they will go through, uh, ranging from extreme love to extreme uh, devastation and hopelessness and everything in between. And uh, before they know it, they'll be so isolated that the things that they used to have that would kind of pull them out of this, um, uh, you know, warped reality are no longer there. So the narcissist will seek to isolate them financially, seek to isolate them uh, spiritually, uh, physically even, you know, away from their connections. And so, um, you know, the, there's the, the, the way that people feel during this abuse is different for each person. Like I said, because the cycles of abuse that that they go through will range from such extremes. It's difficult to kind of say, this is how it looks like or feels like, but the traits of what they're experiencing stay the same, regardless of the tactics that, that, that are used. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. And Yasmin, do you think that narcissists are capable of cooperating with others or is it all just one-sided? I think it's predominantly one-sided. They they have an inability to fulfill, to fulfill their own needs, so they're always asking for others to do it. So they, they validate themselves and see themselves through other people's validation of them. So it's always about them. To give an example, uh, I had a relationship with a narcissist, and he used to start the conversation by asking, how are you? But he couldn't wait for me to finish so I could ask him about how he was so he could spend the next however long we were together to talk about himself. So if I didn't ask, I was in trouble. So it's always how can I deflect um, the conversation back to me? How can I deflect the love back to me? How can I deflect the um, attention, anything that I need? How can I get it back to me? Because they have an inability through disconnection to fulfill their own needs. Okay. Okay. All right. And Angie, I want to ask you, when talking about relationships, uh, specifically marriages, um, if you're already married to a narcissist, should you just immediately throw in the towel or is it possible to live with them without going insane or, or does it, does, or is it just different for each relationship? So I think narcissism is on a spectrum, of course. Um, so I think there are certain situations where Maybe somebody with some tendencies or what, you know, we like to call them narcissistic fleas. Maybe they picked up something from childhood or, you know, but they're not full-blown narcissists. If they don't have NPD um, or wouldn't be diagnosed with it, maybe. But in that case, well, it's rare, um, unfortunately, um, because you have to have someone who's willing to look at themselves and see a flaw okay, <laughs> and, right. and willing to, to grow and change. And uh -huh. most narcissists, by the definition of their personality disorder cannot do that, you know? Mm. Uh, so you see surface change, uh, but 
there are ways that you can make it more bearable if you are stuck with a narcissist, but certainly not, you won't be able to be fulfilled or happy in my opinion. Okay. So like, and this is just open to, to anyone that wants to take the lead on answering it. What's the first step uh, that one must take to uh, get out of a relationship with a narcissist, right? Um, obviously not easy, uh, different for different people, but what, what do you recommend? Well, I would just say, uh, depending on your, your circumstances, I mean, you need to make plans. In fact, I have a, a free planning guide people can download on my website. It has a whole checklist. But, you know, think about your credit. Think about where you're going to go, what you're going to do. You know, I think it's really smart to plan everything ahead of time, you know, before you let the narcissist in on the, <laughs> the story and, uh, and, and to, to be prepared to jump as quickly as possible. It depends, of course, on the severity of the abuse involved as well i mean if it's right. you know if it's just rudeness and disrespect all the time that's different than if it's physical abuse there are extremes both ways so that's where i would start gotcha mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha what do you think dr storm i actually um i i love that answer you know um but first, I, f I found that with my clients, it's just even admitting that this is a problem. A lot of people want to say like, well, it's not this huge roller coaster. There's not something wrong. You know, this the, the person they are during the love bombing phase is who they truly are. I need to do something different. I need to, you know, adjust, love them more, make up for past traumas, whatever it is. They reason away what they're actually experiencing and so they they live in denial they're and and i uh, you know i'm speaking from 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 going through this my own self so i'm speaking from somebody who has come out of that my own self uh you know just the inability to admit what is happening first you have to face reality uh, that this is truly the situation and uh one of the ways that you can start to do that is through journaling that's actually what i did i I would write notes to myself that would say like, when you read this in a day, wondering if you really experienced, you know, all of this gaslighting and different things that I was going through, know that it was real. This was a true situation. You didn't make it up. Nobody can tell you that it was false. And so by doing that, I really was facing reality. And from there, I was able to actually make a plan. I wouldn't have made a plan to get out of the situation had I not uh, first really had that hard conversation with myself and said, this is my reality. And I am the only one that's going to change. Like if I want to change, mm -hmm. then I need to make the change. Wow, how hard was that? That has to be one, probably one of the hardest things in life to do for some people, right? Just admitting that, knowing that, hey, I'm in this situation, I need to change. That takes a lot of courage, yes? It does. And especially if you have children uh, yeah. with the narcissist, you know, which is uh, the situation that I was in. And so um, and so absolutely, like Angie was saying, every situation is different um, and, and how you leave and how quickly you leave and uh, what process you go through in order to get yourself free from the narcissist is different for every person because every situation is different. There could be multiple other factors going on. It, it could, for example, like I said, with children or if you want a business with them. So, you know, the way that you move forward is is different for each person. But the number one thing that you have to do is admit to yourself that this is what you're experiencing and and be willing to deal with that reality, not the reality that you've kind of painted for however many months or years uh, about the relationship. 
Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Now, Yasmin, you said something very interesting a few minutes ago. You said that you were in a relationship where uh, your partner was uh, a narcissist, but you also said that you realized you had some of those traits as well. Are are those traits common in in all of us? And maybe the narcissists are, are the extreme? Um, I think that anybody that's become disassociated through trauma uh, may display a range of them. Every every case is unique. Every individual is unique. You know, it's unique to them. In my situation, my father uh, was a narcissist. My mother's the empath and the sensitive. And that's a very common relationship that you have. One has a need to fulfill and the other one has an inability to fulfill themselves or for another so it's a really challenging relationship and so I learned the patterns so they gave me the perfect example of how to be the victim and be stuck and then how to be the narcissist and display all of the traits and I was a hybrid so these were displayed to me so therefore I became them so in my relationships that I sought after and that's this happened for many many years I think the the I only broke out of this cycle in my early 40s. Um, so I've had a lifetime of it in, in three, three or four different relationships where I kept creating the same old thing and not realizing that actually it doesn't make me happy because I wasn't actually listening to how I felt, my emotions about it. And I was stuck in the love bombing and like, as as Angel says, you know, you get stuck in the, the fantasy of it, what it can be, what was shown to you originally, rather than seeing it for what it was. So I continued the pattern, but what I did realize is that I was pointing the finger at my partner saying, you're the narcissist, you're, you're the one displaying the trait. But actually I was manipulating for attention, you know? I was trying to get one up on him and be the one um, that was, you know, either playing the victim or had illusions of grandeur, um, trying to be the one that was, you know, being noticed all the time. And I didn't realize I was doing this. I was being the victim and displaying the traits at the same time. And that was a huge conflict in my personality because I totally lost sight of who I was. Mm, Can I I say something? I I think sometimes, sorry for just jumping in. (laughs) Oh, you're fine. Thank you. I think sometimes what we have, I think I would just estimating, I would say like 95% of everyone that I have dealt with client wise has also come from a traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason for that, that we end up with these people is, is because we don't know a different normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what you were talking about, um, I think is you, we spend our whole lives looking for validation. We develop mm-hmm. a high threshold for abuse and, and we want to be seen desperately. And when you grow up with a narcissistic parent, you're either not seen as, as who you are or not seen at all, or you are an extension of them. And so you mm-hmm. grow up feeling completely unvalidated, invalidated, excuse me, completely, you know, you're, you're constantly searching for validation. And so of course, when you hit a narcissist, uh, on the trail of life, they go, oh, love bomb. And you go, oh, validation. And so of mm-hmm. course you might fall for this, right? Then you, the intermittent reinforcement of all of this, uh, you know, the, the whole cycle of being, you know, the love bomb, devalue, discard, Hoover situation, it, it will just rotate throughout your relationship until you finally realize it and then make a choice or not. You know, so it's, it's not something, it's not like you just woke up one day and decided to to be with a narcissist or to even be a narcissist. And that's the other side. Narcissists often come out of the same type of home and family that you did and, or similar trauma, you know, 
And so you, you bond over that a little bit sometimes even, and that mm-hmm. makes it even harder. So um, they're, but they're coming out from, I think what's happened is that, you know, when you go through this constant invalidation and this constant being put upon and being a problem or being a golden child or a scapegoat or whatever it has happened to you, then you either turn inward or outward. And I think when you turn inward, you become more toxic. And when you turn outward, you're a different kind of toxic. You're codependent in the way that people pleasing, etc. Narcissists, people pleasers, they come together. You know, empathy and codependency are two completely different things. <laughs> it just so happens that when you grow up with a person who requires you to be on top of everything, to be taking care of their emotions 24 seven. And then you end up with a person the same way you just learn to take care of emotions. You learn to become aware. I personally got really good at reading faces because I had to know when my mom was going to hit me growing up. You know what I'm saying? I needed to understand what she was about to do. And so I started with her (laughs) and that, that skill I called it diplomacy later in life, but really it's trauma. (laughs) And, and I think a lot of us don't realize that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I agree with you there. I think a lot of my clients are hypervigilant and they they can read a situation before it's going to happen. They're very, very good at reading nonverbal communication. Um, so they already know. They're, they're already prepped and ready to go, um, but they still yeah. find themselves hooked in that same cycle. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those those tendencies you were talking about where you, you wanted to be seen, you wanted to be heard, you know, even the delusions of grandeur, a lot of this is growing up, you know, the way that you did and, mm-hmm. and seeking validation. But a lot of it is also just you get desperate when you are in the depths of narcissistic abuse, mm-hmm. especially as an adult, even as a child. But as a child, you don't know that it's not normal. And once you do discover what you're going through is, I mean, I knew it wasn't the same as what I was going through. What I was going through wasn't the same as what my friends were going through. But I didn't realize how abnormal it really was mm. you know and so mm. then growing up and being in marriages I wasn't getting hit I mean I was it's not like I had 17 marriages I had one and then now I'm in one <laughs> but um I wasn't being hit I wasn't being physically assaulted I wasn't having any sort of and, and growing up physically abused I thought well this is an abuse <laughs> you know what I mean this isn't the same thing and so it took me a while to like you said to acknowledge it to admit it to myself to recognize that it wasn't going to be okay. <laughs> and so, you know, I think a lot of us kind of have that whole process. And so I, I always say, you know, first you have to discover it, like you were saying, admit it, and then you have to understand it. So you go through a period of time where you have to really, for me personally, I had to dig in and understand the psychology of both myself and the other person and all the things that led up to both of us being who we were. And then I was able to move past it, you know, in my head, in my heart, and then start to evolve from there. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a whole process. It's not like an overnight thing, unfortunately. I'll stop mm. talking now. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. You're fine. That's why we're here. We appreciate it. So, you know, narcissistic abuse seems to be at an all time high. Am, am I correct in saying that, ladies? Is that is that pretty pretty spot on? I'm, now, I'm at, yeah, I'm seeing much more of it now than I've ever seen. Awareness right. is up for sure. Mm. Awareness is up. Okay, okay, got it. Now, um, we we talked about this type this starting in the home coming from coming from parents right um what about the parent and and this is for you dr storm what about the parent who may recognize they have narcissist narcissistic traits but they they don't want to pass that on to their children i I mean you know 
I would say 99.9% of parents want to be the best parent they can to their children. And uh, like, for example, one thing I do with my kids, I'm a father of three. And I, yeah, I tell them I'm proud of them, but I also tell them probably more so you should be proud of yourself because I don't want them to look for that validation from others. And I've kind of always raised them that way. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Storm, what are some of the other things that, that we can do as parents to make sure we are not passing along um, any type of behaviors to our children that may not be so healthy for them now, not only as children, but as they become adults as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so as I mentioned in the beginning, I, I um, assist people in understanding how to get away from a narcissist when there's a court situation going on, specifically when there's a custody situation. And the first thing that you need to do is to understand that you don't think the same way as the narcissist. And so a narcissist would likely never ask the question that you're asking. And, and that's important to know because when you approach the question and therefore the answer you're coming from it at, at a completely different you know uh, approach a narcissist really wouldn't ask like how do i not pass these traits on to my kids that they don't see a problem with the way that they are and so that's the first thing to note if you are co-parenting with a narcissist and you want to fix the codependent traits that you have, or even the narcissistic traits that you have. Yasmin, you mentioned that that you were exhibiting both of these things, and that's extremely common. Almost 100% of my clients actually, I've, I've seen it in every single one of my clients, and I saw it in myself as well, because you, you know, you were talking about not living out there, not, not walking in their truth, I think is how you had put it. And this is because you tried being codependent and that didn't work. You see the narcissist getting what they want. And so maybe if you use a little manipulation, if you use a little bit of this control over somebody else, then you'll get what you want. And and we tend to look at things very dichotomously when there is actually third, fourth, fifth, an infinite amount of other options, but we see it as this like black and white kind of thing. Well, if they're that, then I could be that. Or if they're, if, if I'm this, then I should be this. When really there's, there's another uh, answer, which is just to simply find out who you are, connect with your true identity, and then walk out your purpose, because that's the only way to get your life to, uh, to flow smoothly uh, and to find meaning. Everybody is on earth for a reason. And if you live without that reason, then it's very easy to just kind of get caught up into somebody else's uh, storm, you know, good or bad. And so when you're a parent, so the, so, so if you're the co-parent, let's say, of somebody, uh, you're, you're trying to co-parent with a narcissist, you need to recognize that for yourself. Are you walking in your truth? It's impossible to help somebody get into truth when you're not in that place. It's impossible to help somebody get into the place of knowing who they truly are if you're not in that place. And, and I understand the need for parents to want to give to their children something that they don't have, but it's impossible to give away what you don't have. If, if you want $5, but I don't have $5, even if I want to give you $5, I couldn't give it to you. And so filling yourself up first and being able to give 
from a full cup to your kids is the first thing, you know, and from there, you can really start to, to bring awareness to situations, help your kids connect to in the moment, you know, teach them to do mindfulness, uh, teach them to be grateful, teach them uh, inner interactive personal skills, you know, conflict resolution skills, things like this. These are uh these are things that kids need as adults, regardless of if a narcissist mm -hmm. is involved or not. Just any any human would need those things. But it, oftentimes, those pieces are so critical that the that the parent of the children didn't get them when they were a child and are just figuring it out now as an adult. And so, what if we could? Uh, what if we could give that to the kids earlier? And that's ultimately what I'm getting at. First, get yourself to a place where you are whole enough to see kind of what, reflect in a healthy way, not in a toxic rumination way about what happened in the past, what you, what mistakes you may have made, what choices may have been not right for you when you were feeling pressured to make a decision as opposed to just sticking to uh, what felt right with you, maybe because you know, societal pressures, religious reasons, whatever it may be that you made those choices and really learn how to um, set boundaries in those specific areas of your life. And then you can start teaching your children because most of the time kids learn from uh, watching, from observing. They are yes. way more aware of that than what you're trying to tell them verbally. And so when this becomes a lifestyle, because this is just who you are and it's just coming out of you, no matter what situation you're in, your children are really going to be able to pick that up. So fixing yourself first, uh, you know, and, and by that, I don't mean, um, <laughs> you know, striving for to, to be this ideal person or like this perfection mindset or model. What I mean is, is just knowing who you are, finding your true identity, connecting to it, and then being able to bring that version of yourself, that true version of yourself into every situation that you go into. I love that. Trying finding the true version of yourself and bring it into every situation that you come into. That is, that is excellent. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we have a question here from Janet. I'm going to read this question and then anyone feel free to take a stab at it. She's, Janet says, I come from a traumatic childhood. I was the oldest of six children. I was an empath. I, I was attracted to his mind. I was totally the perfect storm for the narcissist. He used my trauma and to control me totally. He even diagnosed me with mental health disorders, which were totally untrue. He even made charts and forced me to go through them with him. He once told me he didn't breathe without thinking. I would like to know, was he aware of what he was doing? Who would like to uh, try to answer that one? <laughs> I think personally from my experience, the, 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 and they were men, and not to say, I think there's more men than women that struggle with um, that display narcissistic traits, but um, they were all men that showed me this. They didn't have an awareness. They, one of them had an awareness that he was doing it uh, because he was a recovering alcoholic and he was in the program and the program asked him to hold himself accountable. So he was, he'd actually learned what he was doing and then used it effectively. But the, the other three people that I were, was with wasn't, weren't actually aware that they were doing it it was just a, a pattern that they'd formed and they just kept on living it and even if i'd pointed it out um they had they they you know i was wrong there was no uh, acceptance of responsibility that actually it might be something wrong with them 
But then again, you know, that that to me felt like them just reflecting their trauma because it's like if they admit they're going back into the trauma that they've been holding at bay for, for many, many years. Um, that is only my personal um, experience of it, but I don't know what the other ladies uh, feel about this. I would, I would just add, I, I think narcissism, again, is it's not a spectrum, the cluster B spectrum, if you're talking about personality disorders, you know, narcissism is relatively small compared to psychopathy or sociopathy. And I think a person who's going to this amount of detail and this amount of control probably does know what he's doing. Um, there are those on what I would call the lower end of the spectrum who really are just just functioning almost like um, a, a program. They were programmed this way by the parents. They just don't know any other way. And then there are these people <laughs> that Janet is talking about. This person is clearly, I'm, I'm going to guess he was a clean freak. I'm going to guess he was um, <laughs> controlling of every single morsel of food that put in anyone's mouth in the house. And, you know, like the whole, this person is probably closer to this psychopathic or sociopathic end of the spectrum my personal opinion probably knew on some level what he was doing mm -hmm. um diagnosing her and going through the charts with her and, and not breathing without thinking that's that's a little bit sociopathic i think <laughs> just throwing it out there it's it's a it's a more extreme version so i think maybe that person did know um yeah yeah, i absolutely would agree with what angie just said because um and actually awareness is a spectrum as well. And and the and as Angie is explaining, the the spectrum of narcissism, we all exhibit narcissistic traits, whether we want to admit it or not. And so when it comes to diagnosing with somebody with NPD, by the way, they're called clusters because they typically go together. So somebody with NPD probably has something else, you know what I mean? Like bipolar mm. or they have another thing in there. And so then they're they're, those traits of narcissism tend to be more extreme, tend to be more pronounced. And it's easy to see, like, uh, of course, that person is a narcissist because their, their, their traits are extreme. Mm -hmm. um, I would absolutely agree that that person was aware of what they were doing. And I, I so, so as awareness is a spectrum, I think that most narcissists are aware of what they're doing because they've, they've, they are learning just like anybody else. So if I have something that works for me in my business, I learn that model and I understand, okay, that thing works for me. Well, a narcissist is doing the same thing every time they interact with somebody. Okay. That, that thing didn't work with them. I'm going to put together the personality of the person that I'm speaking with. And the next time I speak with a person of that same type of personality, I've learned a little bit more about how to use manipulation with them. Not all the same manipulation tactics work with all of the same people. And narcissists know that. I think that we often think about narcissists um, as what, what Angie says, like kind of on a program, like it, they're just a robot, you know, but that's just somebody who's not self-aware. True narcissists are actually very aware of what they're doing and they're learning. They're learning every time that they interact with somebody and they're using all of that data to get better and better, which is oftentimes why you find narcissists who are older in life, who are even worse than they were when they were raising their children. Well, that's because they learned. They've learned more and more and more about how, where those pressure points are and how to apply the correct amount of pressure to get what they want. And, and so it, from my perspective, narcissists absolutely know what they're doing. A true narcissists do know what they're doing. Self-aware people, they are self-aware in the, in the sense that they know how to uh, get the energy that they are looking for from somebody else 
much more easily than than they did, you know, 10 years ago or even as a child. Can I add to that really quick? Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I would add that when they get to that point where they get older and they start to be worse than they were when they were younger, what I've noticed a lot of times that's also because what you're talking about is them getting their needs met through manipulation. But as they get older, sometimes depending on how they got their attention, whether, you know, if it's a, a woman, she may have gotten a lot of attention through her appearance, or if it's a man, maybe he got a lot of attention for his, you know, money or his whatever, whatever, you know, uh, when they get older, they have less, often less ability to get the type of attention they want. So they collapse and they become, they, they, they're like a little child throwing a fit almost uh, from a, from a very high level. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I just wanted to throw that in about the collapsing in there. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, you're fine. Thank you. For it's, it's interesting because that does make sense on the, on the story, which I said, like when you say true narcissism, I'm not, clinical in any way so I can only go by the energy work that I do but you're 100% you're right so the the most recent case of the boyfriend who was very aware he'd, and, and you said by um, Andrew you said by learning um, how to be with people and improve that that's exactly what he did and actually um, understanding um, his character flaws he actually put them out there and said this is what I am but I'm actually, and you know, that brazen, they're not, they're not worried about sharing what their character traits are. And he was very brazen about it. You know, I cannot give you commitment. I am controlling. I'm this, that, and the other. And I look, look straight past that because the love bombing, it just, just got me. <laughs> it's just like, I can't see the rest of it because the love bombing is so big. And he was very conscious, very aware of what he was doing. Um, and he got it down to a pattern. And since then, I've seen him do it again in the same pattern right down to the same places he takes the women where he goes for dates what he buys wow. it, it's clockwork it's clockwork mm. it just does not change and you it's become predictable um and i actually have created my peace with him and i can see that um and he's actually very um Cass shows more humility towards me than any of the others, probably because when I, I'm the only one that's out of his many, many relationships that's probably come to see my part in it and heal myself and stand up to that. Where the others, the, he's still being stalked by a couple of them uh, maliciously because of what he's done to them. So wow. it's really interesting how calculated and aware he is about what he does and thank you both of you because you just put that into perspective about what he what he did and does still excellent excellent you know hearing all these this type of behavior from from narcissists um it sounds like some of these people just may be straight up evil <laughs> i mean seriously i mean and mm -hmm. i've heard some 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 other stories that just totally blew my mind yasmin would you say there's a spiritual element to narcissism. I, I hear people talk about um, narcissists are energy vampires, right? Is, is that um, meant in a literal literal sense or or what's what's going on here? Yeah, in from spirituality's perspective, yes, they are energy vampires. Now, I personally don't believe that any soul because I because I read energy from a soul perspective, from God as you know it, whatever that might be, universe, creator, mother nature, whatever. Um, I see the soul personality and to give you an example um there's a um really good book called um 
uh, I think it's called Stories from the Leaders of the pa uh, Conversations with Leaders of the Past. And it's got lots of leaders that were successful in one way or another that have crossed over. So a medium has, has spoken to the soul perspective of that person and then the human personality. The soul perspective is always, always loving, right? A soul is, has no ounce of evil in it. The human personality um, is a whole other thing. And the people that stay in the evil traits, as if that's what you want to call it, the disconnected states, it is because they're disconnected. The moment you make the connection from to the soul, from a spiritual perspective, evil can't exist, right? There's no space or place for it. And I talk from someone who used to have horrible thoughts about when I'd been hard done by, I was thinking about how I, was, how I could plot revenge. I couldn't even bring myself to think that right now. I'd send them love instead. Mm. So my my whole personality has changed because I'm no longer the victim. I'm no longer demonstrating any of the narcissistic traits. And you can change, but there's got to be a willingness. And, and I think when we talk about the extreme narcissists uh, and the personality disorders, there's, there's literally a block here. They're not they're not willing, able, or capable to see beyond that. And sometimes, from a spiritual perspective, it takes a life-changing event for you to evaluate that. So mine was um, cancer. I got cancer, which made me evaluate everything that I was doing mm. and then make that connection and turn my life around. So do I believe they're inherently uh, evil? No, I don't. I, I don't believe anyone's inherently humor, hu sorry evil i just believe there's a severe disconnection to the spirit body that doesn't allow that love and truth and compassion to, to shine through mm, okay all right thank you thank you all right so we have another question here uh, and if anyone feel free to go ahead and answer this one uh can you talk a little bit about covert narcissists i wasn't aware of this until recently and now know that my dad was one and that most of men i dated were also covert narcissists they are much harder to detect given the more subtle expression of narcissism. Who wants to go for that one? <laughs> I can start. Um, basically, it, when we're talking about a covert narcissist, we're talking about someone who doesn't um, openly display grandiosity. So instead of being, uh, you know, like a lot of narcissists are very self-confident, self-assured, a covert narcissist might appear to be self-hating, self-loathing, even, even though they are secretly all do, I think. But anyway, <laughs> the covert um they might be the dark artist type in the corner or they just might be you know somebody who doesn't talk a lot he's a, might seem kind of shy um but underneath it all they're very abusive and, and controlling to the people closest to them which makes it it's very hard to detect because they a lot of times use victimhood as a way to get attention and they'll uh, well you know that this happened to me in my childhood why would you do that or you know whatever it is that their their cause is their victimhood is they use that as part of the way they manipulate the people closest to them. Um, yeah. If anyone wants to add to it, I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Storm, yeah, do you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, um, I, in my coaching, I focus, I, I believe in education. I believe in being aware of what narcissism is and understanding what you've gone through. But I actually focus more on you because narcissists are going to exist regardless of how many webinars we do, regardless of how many YouTube videos I put out. Narcissists are going to exist. The issue isn't whether narcissism exists as a whole or if I'm if I can live my life regardless of what's 
out there, right? Narcissists can continue to bump into me every single day. And I'm sure that many that, that I run into them all the time, but they just can't enter into my sphere, my Metron. And so this is more important to me than, than, uh, understanding what covert narcissism looks like. Yes, we need to be aware of it. But if I'm a whole person, I'm going to notice when part of myself is being taken away, when part of myself is not being honored. And this is more important to me as a coach and, and with the work that I do is that people understand that the energy that you're putting forth to understand what narcissism is. And again, I believe in it. I believe in education, all of that kind of stuff it would better serve you if you would apply that energy to healing yourself, to knowing how to set up strong boundaries, to knowing your goals in life, to having a, a plan set in place for when you do bump into narcissists rather than, um, or, or not even, it doesn't even matter if they're narcissists. There's toxic people who are not narcissists. And right. you know what? There's also good people, but they're just not, you're just not supposed to be connected to them. So when you understand what is for you, then it's easier for you to let go of the things that are not meant for you. And, you know, a lot of people, I think Angie had, somebody had said that, that we look for outside validation. And this is the, this is usually the gateway that narcissists use to enter into our lives. So if I'm not looking for outside validation because I'm fully validated in who I am as an individual, then I don't care if you're an amazing, excellent, great person. That's awesome. But if we're not supposed to be connected, I'm able to let you go and, and wish you well on your way. Um, uh, without feeling that like I'm missing out on something uh, that could be an opportunity for me where it's it's this need that I have to have another person in my life uh, whether that whether that's in a in a good healthy way or a very toxic way such as a, an abusive situation an abusive relationship and so um, you know just I just want to say that about the covert narcissism question and and absolutely Angie ex explained it very well um, but again I just feel as a coach so much more of this would be way more beneficial to us if we would apply that same energy to to ourselves rather than forcing it out on, and trying to understand the outside world you know when my inner world is whole when my inner world is flourishing my outer world will too very nice very i totally good. agree with your your point and in, in that you want to become whole yourself because when you do that then the narcissist can kind of bounce off your bubble, so to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yes. Okay. And and I, I tell my clients, too, there's a difference between a tar being a target of narcissistic abuse and a victim of narcissistic abuse. Mm. You can be a target all day, right? I can be a target all day, all day, but you're never going to make me a victim of it. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm a whole person. I'm a complete person. I'm a powerful person. I understand what I want for my life. I know how to implement boundaries. I know how to uh, choose things for me that are truly for me, not just because it looks good or it feels good or all of these other things that, that can, can be very shiny on the outside. Um, I don't need to attach myself to them because my identity is not coming from the outside world. My identity is coming from my internal world and so you know I just uh, I just think that it's it's really important that that we we understand that 
while education, you know, I, I call these information gluttons, people who will binge watch my YouTube channel. And I tell people to stop doing that all the time, because if you have a whole bunch of information, but no way to apply it, right. I've done you nothing, you know, right. stop watching my channel that much. Don't, don't go reading all of the books on narcissism. Instead, spend time with yourself. Just get to know yourself. That will serve you so much more and longer, too. Mm. I have to Sorry to interrupt. I have to echo that because as a healer, um, this is the one thing that people come back again and again and again. How do I heal this? How do I heal this? And I said, yes, there's an energy element. There's an implementation element where your human has to live it. So let's ground ourselves into our human and actually apply it. So, you know, it's called spiritual uh, bypassing in many things where you live in the spirit world, but you don't actually create uh, the action in the physical form. Um, and I really um, agree with what you just said, Angie, uh, sorry, uh, Angel, because, well, both sides, but Angel, because that's exactly what happened to me. I lost a sense of identity and did not know who I was. Um, and personally, one of the biggest things I say to people is your the way the soul guides you, if you're spiritual at all, it guides you through emotions and feelings. It's always guiding you through those. But we're so conditioned and patterned so hard that even if we feel them, we overlook them. It's like when you see the red flags, but you ignore them, right? Mm -hmm. We've all done it. Um, and the thing is, is to actually trust those feelings and emotions because your body's talking to you. Your, you know, there's all parts of you talking to you to guide you. But we, we're so hardwired. This is what I've always done. So this is what I'll continue to do. And I'll keep doing it. I want something different. However, I'll continue to feel disappointed and unfulfilled. How do I break that cycle? You know, so I agree with, you know, really listening to yourself and understanding what you want. Um, and you did start by saying, like, if someone wants to get out of a relationship, then how do they do that? Um, and I would always say, well, what do you want? Like, what do you need? What do you want? What works for you? What doesn't? Be very, very clear about your non-negotiables. Um, and then move on from there, because that's how you're saying, this is what I align to. This is me. This is not an imprint of my father's narcissism. This is not my ex-boyfriend's imprint. This is me. This is what I want. And this is what I want to stand for. And the next thing is, is do I have the, the courage, the strength, the power, the will to follow that through? And, you know, it's little by little. It's step by step. It's not an overnight process. I agree with all that. But I would also add that we should be very careful to... <clears throat> People, the reason some people need to know deeply about the psychology is mm -hmm. because that's how they will heal. Personally, yeah. I could not move forward without understanding yeah. what the heck was going on. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just a different type of maybe uh, the way your brain works, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've always been that type of person. I need to know the specific mechanics of the way that people function. And I find a lot of the people who follow me are the same way. We can't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to say, don't don't listen, don't learn about the narcissist because yeah. I, you know a lot of us cannot go forward without mm -hmm. understanding the knowledge. So, but there is a yeah. limit to that, right? Like you shouldn't kind of them. Yeah, I agree with you, but there's a danger from some people that are more spiritually minded to uh, find out all of the research and still stay stuck. 
totally agree. And I believe that it's a partnership between the both, you know, get, you know, I did that. I researched, I did a lot of research about why am I stuck? Like, am I a narcissist? Is that person a narcissist? Oh gosh, I got some of the traits and I've been denying it. You know, I had to learn about me and, and what it was, and then, then go and walk that path. Um, I think from spiritual perspective, it's very, very normal for anyone who's spiritual to do a lot of spiritual bypassing. So they'll get all of the knowledge and still sit there and, and stay stuck. You know, it's like an overweight person watching cooking, healthy cooking programs while they're still eating. It's like at yeah. some point something needs to change, right? And 100%, both, both sides, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, you know, in my coaching, I I take a very holistic perspective. I do I teach about body, soul and spirit. And it the tendency for people to focus on one of those, which is usually the easiest road, which is my mind, my brain. Okay, I will feed my brain all of this information meanwhile neglecting your spirit and soul. And so my my point I don't think anybody said don't learn about narcissism. My point is we we focus so much on if I if I understand the narcissist then I'll understand myself, which isn't true. No, and and so um and so yeah, I just I so I just sense that that was the actual issue and the question being asked about covert narcissists my dad was my date them you know and really the person wants to know about why am i choosing these people why am i attracting this this person in the same spirit in a different body all of the time uh why am i doing that and yes. understanding covert narcissists can help you maybe identify some of the traits when you look back at, and see some familiarities and some patterns, but really why you're attracting those people will only come when you know yourself. True. No, hundred percent. I would just say that I think for me, it was about validation of experience because I could not, I didn't know anybody else who was going through what I was going through. And I didn't, when I started talking and researching this, it was 2005. So like nobody else was doing this back then. And there were just three or four people out there talking about it. I had to go to the freaking library, y'all. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, like physical library, I needed to understand on that level because I was told for my whole life, you're the, you're the one who's wrong. I'm the one who's right. You know, this is how life goes. And then all of a sudden I had to like rethink everything because yeah. all of the things that I Many of the things that I believe to be true were completely false. And I found that out by studying the psychology of all this stuff. So it's just a process for everybody. Everybody's different. I 100% agree with you about being personally, you know, taking care of your, your own self first. And I always started there, but I couldn't figure out where the, where the stopping, you know, what was this resistance? And, and, and it was because I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me that I discovered the people around me that one in particular at that time was had NPD. Mm -hmm. And so it was this whole process for me. And so I think everybody's different. And I love spirituality. I love being connected on that level. But it, for me personally, and again, everyone's different. For me personally, I needed to understand on a very clinical, very seriously, like science, I needed to think like a scientist and mm -hmm. understand first because my emotions could not, I could not handle them. And so if I stopped the emotions for a minute and I learned about the thing, I got validation, I understood on a deeper level, then I could go, oh, well, that's why I felt like this. And then I could connect the emotions and the facts 
And then I could be truly fully validated. And one day I realized, I mean, it was freaking 35 years old for God's sake, but I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not completely broken. I'm not a complete piece of crap. It turns out I was just dealing with a toxic person, people who told me these things about myself. And it turns out I'm all right, I'm okay. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. again, not to negate anything these beautiful ladies are saying, because y'all are right 100%. I'm just adding my perspective because there is this other type of person out there, weirdo mm -hmm. myself. It, yeah, it, it is a unique experience to the individual, yes. isn't it, and how you process it. So let me ask both, if, if this is okay, Justin, to ask the other ladies, is that when you had that moment and you realized actually, I am a good person, it's not me, like how did you then integrate it and move forward with it? Like what, what were your experiences of that? Well, personally, it was one, like light bulb moment after another for quite a while. And I, and I had to, this is what I did. I stopped assuming anything about anyone ever. <laughs> so including myself, I'm always open to learning what someone else experiences or what someone else perceives because maybe I'm wrong. And that I think is the silver lining of all of this because do you know how many things and perspectives and understandings I have gained as a result of having gone through this type of abuse? It turns out there's the silver lining, and that is that you can create and become whoever the heck you want to be. If you are capable of like even thinking of the idea, if you want to do something, you can. And I wouldn't have known this had I not been brought up to think otherwise. So it, it's, it's a whole, I could talk for hours, I won't, but yeah, somebody else. <laughs> love that, love that. What was yeah. your experience, Angel? You know, it was it was similar. Once I understood that I didn't even know that there was such a thing as narcissism. So similar uh, to what Angela is saying, I somebody actually, one of my friends had sent me an article about narcissism and she was like, you know, I think that this is actually what you're dealing with. And the article was, was actually more about um, how narcissism comes out with people who have antisocial personality disorder or, um, mm. and so, and so actually the, and that the article was exactly right about what I, what I was going through. And as I said earlier, I was journaling by this time, like I knew something wasn't right, but I, I also assumed it was me. I didn't understand why, like, you know, I was quite successful with my work and, um, and in other areas, I didn't understand why this relationship was giving me so many issues and why, like, I couldn't get it together in this, in this area of my life. And when I was journaling and I was, um, you know, under, I didn't even know that that was called gaslighting at the time, uh, you know, but I would write myself these notes, like this was your experience, this, you did ha have this happen to you, that kind of thing. I, it was like, I had been inside of a box and somebody opened up the box and was like, that's, you're, you're not supposed to live inside this box. And that's exactly what happened to me. And so at that point, I immediately knew it was the other person, uh, that this was a toxic relationship and that I needed to, uh, do whatever I needed to do to, to get out of that situation. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, that was my experience. And it was, to me, it was, I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm a, I'm a doer, right? So if I, if I figure it out, I'm going to go do it. There, there isn't, I don't have the, the, uh, bypassing or whatever that you were ex explaining to me, but it, 
took a while before that to like finally click for everything to like be centered so that all of the information could flow freely, not just in my mind, but also in my heart, you know, so that my, my emotions would follow what I knew was correct, uh, for my situation, for my life. Um, but it was an instant moment, but it took a while for everything to kind of get aligned for me so that I could, um, you know, do something with the knowledge. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And one thing I want to ask you all, I've learned that there's different, um, types of narcissists. What is the worst type of narcissist that one would have to deal with? I would, I would say the further up the spectrum they are, the worse it's going to be. So for, you know, so not every, okay. Every psychopath is a narcissist, but not every narcissist is a psychopath, sociopath, whatever. So the point is the higher up the spectrum you go, (laughs) the worse it's going to be. I mean, I think probably some of the worst ones have, uh, you know, what's, what was, um, Ted Bundy, (laughs) <laughs> he's a great oh, example yeah. you know um yeah yeah so anywhere from a jerk all the way up to a murderer <laughs> and everything in between dictator you know <laughs> hitler i mean that's that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then dr storm you talked about gaslighting you mentioned that word a, a few minutes ago let's let's talk about that a little bit um Obviously, that that's not good. And I want to know, do you all think that gaslighting is going on on a societal level as well with what we're dealing with with this crisis? And I don't want to get too political here, but, you know, the, these are some things that, that people uh, people want to know, People, some things that people wonder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, that's without a doubt. Um, <laughs> and this is this is also something interesting that I've found with my audience is that when we talk about narcissism, as an uh, like individual to individual, it's easy to accept. It's easy to understand. Um, people are very, they understand, yes, narcissists are individuals and I could pop into one. But when we start talking about it in organized, uh, in an organized manner. So I have a video coming out next Friday that's on corporations and gaslighting because corporations use gaslighting all the time and um, and or or you systems, entire systems, like, for example, the legal system. Um, and then, of course, absolutely governments and or or use uh, of it in a religious uh, organization mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So there. Yeah, narcissism can, and gaslighting specifically, a tactic of narcissism, the most probably common uh, tactic of of narcissists to use to keep their victims in the space that they are in, um, is used in multiple levels of our lives. And this is what I, why I teach people to be whole, because then you won't, you when you're starving, you'll eat whatever lies are before you. And and it's really important that people know what is right for them, even if somebody is telling them it, who's in power, who's in a position of authority, that no, this is what's right for you, that they understand that they are still um, autonomous and that they are able to make decisions for themselves that are, are right for them, not for, not, not regardless of the narrative, of that's being put out, which is also gaslighting, um, you know. But but being able to spot it, no matter what form it comes in, whether that's that means it's an individual or it's a it's a structure like a family structure or some sort of organized uh, a system at all. Hmm. Interestingly, I echo all of that. There is a patterning that goes on to humanity 
which is certain themes rise up to the surface to be cleansed, to be broken out of. And what we're being shown externally, and I'll talk just purely from a spiritual perspective, is the centuries of um, manipulation and control that we've been under, the lies in law, the casting spells with words, as to what we've been told we need to conform to. And we're just realizing actually that we don't need to do that. We can step out of this. Um, and I often say that what's going on around us is actually reflected within what we need to look at. So, you know, um, Angie, you said about being whole, coming back to yourself. This is exactly that. This is how do we step out of that toxic system that's one minute telling us that this is restricted, this isn't restricted, we'll take your liberties away, no, you can have them. That is gaslighting, right? Mm. Um, it's causing confusion. It's stopping people realizing and understanding what they are and what is true to them and what aligns with them. They're just following. So this is a really good example of understanding what our identities are and who we are and how we can live in that identity and be okay about it. And I know that lots of people are fearful about it. So I'll speak up about something that's controversial and my following will email things to me. And I'm like, well, why aren't you speaking about it? They're like, no, 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 I can't do this in my world. Like I'll be pulled down. And I said, well, why are you expecting me to do it? This is an individual responsibility for you to stand up. And like I said at the very beginning before we came on, stand up and be counted to wherever that feels good for you, wherever. And that might be, I'm just thinking about it and I'm, I might just apply it to my little world here about how I'm going to um, spend my money. Am I going to go to a big Amazon or I'm going to support local? You know, how am I going to break the mold? How am I going to do it in my own world? Because that's what's important. You do it in your own little one meter square control that aspect that's a ripple effect to everything else around us so people often think it's the big thing that they need to do and it's not just control your own world just be right in your own world with what aligns to you and get to know what works for you and this is a hundred percent a mirror of what needs cleansing so we've talked about um in the spiritual world, we're really talking about ancestral um, contracts, karmic contracts. And these are the contracts that we've been bound to that, you know, like um, Angel said about religion. Um, and I think Angie's touched on patterning as well, where we've been confined, which isn't true, which is not true. You, we are actually the designers of our own lives. And that yeah. recognition has been drummed out of us and it's been continued to drum, be drummed out of us. And I keep saying to people, you do not realize like how powerful you are. I've done things that are considered miraculous, like with healings and helping people out of cancer, having spontaneous remissions, that kind of stuff. That's that's not just me. That's me saying, you've got this in you. You just need to connect to it. And once they do, they recognize that they can turn things around. I did. I came out of cancer, no chemo. They were anticipating chemo. I was in remission super quickly. So if we listen to what society's saying, we're, we're going to lose ourselves. We've got to come back to what, you know, what, what we want and what, what we're about. Um, and that's not, so, not is, sorry, that's not always easy because it does also mean that you're going to rub up against opinions of your family, your loved ones, your partner, your friends, and you may fall out with them. But it's an right. adjustment of how do you learn to either be in those relationships and continue those, or do you decide that you're going to step out? Like how much you're willing to tolerate and how much is it in your alignment? Well said, well said. I think more and more people are starting to recognize that or realize mm -hmm. that and starting to do that, which is which is an awesome thing. Yeah. I'm sorry, Angie, okay. what were you about to say? 
Oh, I just want to say two things. First of all, I think when you were talking about, I wanted to touch on what Angel was talking about. I think it was um, the, the communal narcissism was was the, the issues. It's like the ladies have said, it's been for centuries, forever. It's not new. Um, I, th I think the gaslighting thing. But the other thing I wanted to touch on was, I think for me, exactly what, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What's your name? Yes, man. <laughs> Uh, yes, but what you were saying is is entirely accurate. And for for a more simplified thing, uh, on the same note, what I have found to be very effective is just I focus on what I can control, or I don't stress about it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like I can't control what's going on over there in Washington or anywhere else, but what I can do is, like you were saying, in my in my space, I can handle what's in my space and make choices and and affect changes in my space, whatever that is, whether that's me personally in my own life or working with clients or working with you know, my kids, whatever. It, it's about what can I do? What can I affect this situation in any way? Yes. Okay. How can I do it? And am I willing to do it? And if I'm not, am I okay with that? And, and if I can't affect it, then I literally just don't think about mm -hmm. it <laughs> unless I absolutely must. That's, that's how I've found sanity. I think that's, less spiritual sounding and awesome than what you said, but that's my practical version of the same thing. Yeah, I'm with it. <laughs> you know, I think that that's, I'm sorry. No, 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 please go. Yeah, I think that that's such an important thing that you just said, Angela, which is like recognizing what's your job and what isn't. Mm -hmm. We have way mm -hmm. too many people putting their hands in pots that there aren't theirs. And so then they get frustrated when they can't affect it or change it or um, in some other way, alter it. And that's simply because that wasn't their assignment. That's not their job. That isn't their purpose. And so it's really important that you you do start where, where you are with those small decisions and let those kind of build out. Because if you try to just go, you know, this is, this is the person who's not at all physically active trying to go run a marathon. You're yeah. going to be frustrated. And now you're, you, you've damaged yourself for no reason, you know, and, and it's just knowing what what is right for you and and timing is everything just because you're not yes. able to affect something right now doesn't mean that in a month two months you know five years whatever you can't affect it it's 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 understanding your your season of life and where you are personally mm -hmm. you know and and i think that that's so important that people understand mm -hmm. this is so very personal nobody else can make these decisions for you this is your life and you just need to know what's right for you I would also say do do reach out because there is one of the things that I find with people staying stuck or not moving forward um, mm. is that their brain is telling them lies about how big it is to do the thing that they want mm. to do. And um, Angie, like 100%, you know, acknowledge it and see how it sits with you. Um, and that is, do I do I walk out of this narcissistic relationship? Do I, you know, put my money into this corporation or whatever it is? Um, is to really understand that and, and know that I've completely lost my trail. I'm so sorry. I was I just got lost my trail because of your cat, and I was thinking, how long? He's been so disrespectful this whole time. Okay. <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. That's fine. Um, sorry, I've I've lost my trail. Please do continue. I'm sure All I'll good. jump. All good. One thing I want to ask you, ladies, is what I see happening more and more is. Uh, people becoming victims of narcissistic abuse uh, on the job, right? Dealing with their employers. Um, I had an experience earlier this year where I worked for this job, small little firm, about four people total. And uh, 
it took me a while to recognize, but after a few um, experiences and, and situations and things that happened, I said, oh my goodness, this guy is a narcissist. He had this thing where he, the beginning for the first several months, he drew me in, oh, Justin this, Justin that. And then he like totally flipped it and it got so bad to the point where he was doing crazy things. Like I, I live in the Phoenix, Arizona area, right? Summertime, 115, 120 degrees. This guy takes the water machine out. He says, no more water for anyone. You, you must walk across the parking lot to CVS and fill, fill your own water bottle up at the, at the, at the fountain in CVS. Uh, we had a little mini fridge in there where we would, you know, bring our lunch in and throw our lunch in there, you know, till, till lunchtime took that out. So, and, and just all these other little things. When we would be in meeting with clients, he would make these little comments and remarks. And then I finally decided, hey, you know, I recognize that. And then I was out, you know, I, I quit. Unfortunately, not everyone has that a, a luxury to just quit a job on the spot, right? And therefore, with, with those who do not have that luxury to do that, what can they do to deal with these uh, narcissistic supervisors that they deal with five, six days a week? So I think this comes back to what Angel was saying before about having your personal boundaries and knowing what you will and will not tolerate. But there's also, I mean, I've, I've had clients, I've worked with clients who have, I've walked them through, this is how you manipulate them back. And I know that sounds terrible, but don't mean it like that. It's just about, look, this person has this mindset. So if you're going to deal with them and make them like you, or at least make them have your life be functional with them, here are some things you can say and do. So number one, you can never disagree with them. You can, you know, there's a whole process I could go through with you, but basically it's sort of like you're, you're training a pet, if we're being honest, and it, it looks like you, you, you play the game. So when they're nice to you, you're nice to them. When they're not nice to you, you ignore them or you just, you give them the gray rock thing. You don't give them any emotion at all. And you only deal with them as much as you must deal with them. Also, you know, you can play these little games. It doesn't matter. But the point is, ultimately be looking for another darn job because they're not going to change and you're going to be miserable. But it's about what it all comes back to what Angel was talking about with boundaries, in my opinion, having them and knowing yourself well enough and what Yasmin was talking about with being whole and both of them were talking about that being whole in yourself as you did, Justin, you left, <laughs> you were like, Nope. <laughs> as soon as you realized yeah. what was going on, because you're a hole in yourself, I assume enough to mm -hmm. know that you don't tolerate that. But mm -hmm. if you, you know what I mean? I'll let somebody else. Mm -hmm. I think whether, whether personal or in work, um, as, as has been said before, if you are, if you know what the signals are, you can block that off. You can either be a victim of it or you can be bouncing it off, can't you? It's actually knowing that. People tell you how they want you to be with them by the way they are with you. They teach mm -hmm. you this. They That's teach right. you this all the time. So if you're aware, if you speak to them back into that language, um, then you kind of learn how to handle them. So I'm, I'm a big observer about how are people behaving with people because that teaches me how to behave with them. But equally, um, my favorable response to that is get out, always. If you can, and if you have a plan, get out, because that is much, much better to your mental health. I mean, look, I've been single for five years, and I refuse to get into a relationship where I'm where anyone's demonstrating those things. I just, I just won't do it. And if I'm in the company of someone or... I find out after two or three dates, I'll, I'll, I'll be very polite and firm and walk out of it because I do not want to replicate that in my life. And that is my boundary. I'm very, very clear with that. 
And actually, mm -hmm. because of that, I don't attract that and I don't get into those situations. So, and I think that awareness comes once you step out, if you get the courage to step out. Yeah, yeah. I, I also agree with that. You know, at, in the workplace, you can do, there's certain things that you can do. For example, never be alone with a narcissist. Always make sure that you take somebody with you. Send follow-up emails if they verbally give you, uh, you know, instructions, because as we know, gaslighting is is rampant in these, um, in these situations as well. Exactly. You know, I didn't tell you to do that. No, I told you to do this. You know, whatever. Just make sure that you send a follow-up email and you CC people on the email that would be need to be notified as well. This, there's things that you can do inside of the, those situations while you're getting a plan together. But ultimately, I agree, you need to get out. And I try to take every obstacle as an opportunity. And if there's if I know I'm in a situation like, for example, your situation, Justin, where you were it, this boss was purposefully uh, making your life miserable. And he was obviously getting some sort of pleasure from seeing you, you know, having to cross the street to get water and all these types of things. Um, you can use it as an opportunity for your own growth in, in that I will confront this person. I will stand up to this person. I will use my voice. I'm a powerful person. Here is how I will use my, my, uh, my energy in this situation. So every person is different. Every situation is different, but it, but it is an opportunity to kind of get you to where you need, you know, just be like I said, even with the narcissist in my own personal life, I'll just use myself as an example. You know, it, it it forced me to do different things in my life that I would have never done otherwise. And for example, I would have never quit my job. I would have never started this. I would have never done certain things. And so if you can view it as an opportunity, that is the way that we can get get something that was trying to be taken or held back from us in that situation. So yes, you can do things in that situation while you ultimately get to where you need to be. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very good. Now I know we touched on it a bit earlier regarding uh, people having or growing up with narcissistic parents. Um, I also grew up with a uh, narcissistic parent being my father. Uh, this was a man who, uh, at 16, entered to the Marines, and this was in the in the 50s, and he had some pretty pretty traumatic experiences uh, being a, a teenager in the Marines in the 1950s here in the United States, where he dealt with a lot of racism, right? And he carried that toxic negative energy with him for years, uh, literally up until the uh, probably about a year before he passed. But that was one thing he dealt with. Uh, he 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 dealt with a, a relationship issue he had with his father. They had they didn't talk for about 30 years. Uh, up until about two years before his death. So they, they had this huge fight in the 70s, didn't talk until probably 2005, right around that. Um, but uh, because of all this negative energy, he had some issues with my grandmother as well. But uh, because of all this negative energy he, he carried, uh, he turned to alcohol, right? And uh, that, that alcohol hitting that bottle literally every day turned him into a monster. Uh, what I like to call this jo Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde character, right? And he turned, uh, he became very abusive to uh, my family, my mother, as well as my brother and I, where he was uh, physically abusive as well as verbally abusive. And I tell people all the time, I, I wish it was just uh, a physical instead of verbal because that yeah. verbal abuse and that controlling nature that he had that really uh, that really affected me in a huge way, right? It made me this person where I had felt like I had to uh, uh, get permission uh, and, and validation from people all my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And the way I was able to overcome that, and it's actually still something I'm working through today as well. Um, never, you know, sat down with with a, a mental health person or, or mental health clinician. Um, I, I kind of I've come as far as I have uh, dealing dealing with it from the spiritual aspect, as we were talking about before, where I was able to step outside of everything that was going on in my life and just observe. Right. And then I was guided by the spirit to uh, make the, the, the proper adjustments or, or do the things that I need to do to be in a healthy place. Um, what are some of the things, I guess my question is after saying all that, what are some of the things that people can do, um, to get to a better place when they're dealing with, uh, narcissistic parents? And is it worse to have a narcissistic father or mother? Okay. So, so from based on attachment theory, I'm going to say that so, so attachment theory states basically that uh, the, you know, the way you attach to your mother or your, which should be normally your primary parent is, is it starts then and then it sticks with you through your whole life, right? The way that you function, whether you're anxious, avoidant or avoidant or whatever, healthy attachment, whatever. Um, so I would say from that perspective, maybe, you know, we could say on a psychological level, but I don't think it even matters because I think ultimately either way is awful. I mean, if you have, and the worst part is that, you know, even when we have one toxic parent, the other parent, whether we like to admit it or not, and this might be hard for some of us because we may have also been the other parent, but that person is also toxic because they are enabling or allowing that person to stay in their children's lives. And, mm -hmm. you know, or at least during the, the relationship, that person is also toxic because they are also broken. So, so what I'm saying is I don't think it matters if it's a, I think from a, maybe from a scientific perspective, maybe it might be a little harder from the beginning if your mother is the narcissist, but maybe not because your mother is still being influenced by the narcissist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you're, if they stay together long enough for you to know about their abuse, her abuse, did you, that's traumatic in itself. You know what I mean? Watching your mother be destroyed, whether physically, verbally, or otherwise by this other person who's supposed to be her protector, her, you know what I'm saying? So like, I think personally, you can't say one's worse than the other. I think they're both terrible. Okay. <laughs> and, and I think we all have healing to do. And, and we're all, you know, I can honestly, like they were, the ladies were saying, you know, I noticed these traits in myself. I see traits, you know, that from my, my own life. And I look back to like when I first got married and my husband thought he had a right to have something to say about the way my house was decorated. I was like, what? <laughs> because that's not what I grew up watching. I grew up watching my mother run that show like that. You know what I'm saying? So I had to humble myself and realize that I, it doesn't work like that in my, in the real world. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole process. So I'll let somebody else take it. Mm. <laughs> well, I pretty much agree. I agree with you on those fronts. I think um, as you're speaking, I'm relaying it back to um, my last narcissistic relationship with a recovering alcoholic who'd been sober for uh, 12 years at that point. But the, you know, the thing is with, with people that um, use alcohol or drugs, that's not the problem. The, prob the problem is the underlying problem. So you can stop the drugs and you can stop the alcohol, but you can still have the issues, which is pretty much what I was going through. And the relationship basically was, um, his father was also um, very reliant, he was an alcoholic, um, very reliant on alcohol and drugs. Um, the mother was enabling him, just like you said, Angie, they're, they're as toxic as each other. Um, he had this deep love for his mother, 
because he thought, yeah, she's standing up on her own feet, but equally she's not protecting me from my father. Um, so he had this deep love and self-hate, um, sorry, deep love and hatred for women. And that's how he displays it in his relationship. So there was a lot of love for me. I don't believe he actually does really know what love is, but there we go. Um, lots of love, but there was also hatred because I reminded him of his mother. He's chosen someone who was like his mother, you know? So was why, was it worse that one was, you know, a narcissist and what wasn't? Is it female, male? I don't, I actually personally don't think it actually matters because as you said, quite rightly, Angie, one is they're both toxic. They're in a relationship. They're enabling each other until they can realize or one realizes it's not right and walks out of it. Um, and interesting enough, she had a son and she's now doing the whole thing yet again with the son. She's enabling him again. So the pattern continues in another way. So and he's now my ex is still angry at her for repeating the pattern. So she wasn't the actual narcissist, but because there was toxicity, he's still mad at her. So he, there's issues both ways, I, I do believe. Wow. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much. We're going to kind of wrap things up here a bit. Before we go, I would ask each of you to leave our listeners and everyone that will watch this uh, webinar at some point in the future, uh, just a few words of wisdom, something that they can take with them going forward. Thank you so much for, for everything you provided up until this point, but maybe just something that uh, maybe will we'll spark a light in someone. And we'll start with you, Dr. Storm. Yeah, one, one of the things that I did um, when I was coming out of this uh, abusive relationship that I've described throughout this podcast, I, um, I remember uh, one, I was, I was in a deep depression because I didn't know who I was. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I knew I was going to, you know, not, I was going to quit my job and I didn't know what I was going to do after that. And I, a lot of things were in flux in my life and I was changing. And, uh, I remember, um, vividly, I started doing, uh, this, this thing that I have my clients do too. You know, I think it's really important that people know that, that just because you're in a situation now doesn't mean that that's where you have to stay. Um, you know, everything about you is meant to change and mold into your highest self. And so that's really what I did. I, I remember being on the floor actually like crying because my whole life is ruined and, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do and how could things possibly get better. And I just imagine like if I was a person who could who could handle this situation? What, who would I be? You know, what would I look like? How would I talk to myself? How would I talk to others? How, what kind of job would I have? What would I wear when I went to that job? Like even the smallest details, how would I treat myself in the morning? What would I eat for breakfast? You know, that just the, what, what was my day-to-day -day life looking like? And I tried to start thinking about myself and acting from that version of myself, you know, um, uh, this, this was, this was something that I started doing all of the time. And especially when I would start feeling really anxious about stepping out and doing something new, you know, I, by this time I had a PhD, but I, I, I never had taken a business class. I never, I didn't know anything about running a business. And, um, you know, so I thought I, I would think from this perspective, what would this person need in order to start a business? She would need some education and things like that. So it was really practical for me to, to remove myself in my current version because the current version of myself then wasn't able to step into this new place. And so what I needed to do was 
allow that new version of me to come and meet me where I was, meet the current version of me. And so I started doing this, especially when I'd feel um, really overwhelmed or anxious or, um, you know, get depressed about what my future would be and all of this type of stuff. So I would, um, I would think about myself who is fully able and capable of handling the situation what would she say? What would she do? How would she think? What would she, um, what would she say to, to the other person or parties involved? And, and so I, I have my clients do this and practice it often, especially when they don't know what to do. Well, the, there, cause there is a version of you who does know what to do. Mm -hmm. So find that version and, and see what she does or he does. Excellent. Excellent. And then Dr. Storm, where can uh, our listeners uh, locate you, your, your website, social media, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can find me at themanifoldmind.com. Uh, my, my company is called The Manifold Mind. You can find me on YouTube. It's just my name, Angel J. Storm. Um, I have an Instagram under The Manifold Mind as well. So you, those are the primary places to connect with me. All right. Thank you so much. And I just want to tell everyone that's listening in here, if you, you have any final questions, please feel free to go ahead and type them in now. Um, meantime, Esmond. You're next. What would you like to share? A little little token of love for our listeners. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, really helped me and, and everything Angel said and just uh, building upon that is um, there are parts of us, we have four bodies, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Find uh, some time every day, first thing in the morning, to self-fulfill, learn how to self-fulfill and, and take self-responsibility. So if you were to write that on the top of the page and ask yourself, what do I need in all of those four bodies? And can I fulfill that myself? And if not, how can I learn to do this? You will then learn that you do not need to be validated, um, you know, seen necessarily by other people because what you're actually doing is the things that you're seeking that you're not able to do for yourself. So learn self-fulfillment. Uh, and often the spiritual, mental, physical, emotional thing might be, I just need to take myself out for a walk and do some grounding, right? That might just cross off all of those four things. But every morning, if you do the one thing for yourself in any one of those that's uh, necessary and you learn self-fulfillment, you will not seek these things outside of yourself because you're, you just know how to do it for yourself. And when we're seeking outside, we're missing seeing it in ourselves, I find. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And can you share with the listeners where they can locate, locate you, social media, website, et cetera? Yep. Easiest place to find me is Instagram at Miss Yasmin Ibrahim. And in, in my bio, there's a link that connects to all my other social media platforms, all my masterclasses, readings, healings, everything you need is in there. All right. Thank you. All right, Angie. Last but not least, you're up. All right. Well, I'm just going to make it really quick. I'm just going to say, remember that you're good enough. Remember that you're as important as everyone else on the planet. Remember that you have a right and a responsibility to be safe, to keep yourself safe emotionally, physically, and otherwise. Sorry about the camera. And remember that you matter and you are not less than me or anyone else. We all have the same ability to, to control our lives. And with that being said, Focus on only what you can control and not what you can't control and take care of yourself and remember better. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Beautiful, beautiful. And I want to take one last second to thank the three of you, Dr. Angel Storm. I forgot to say, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, oh, no, go for it. Oh, yes, you're, you're where, where, where can we find you? Those yes. <laughs> uh, Queenbeing.com, uh, 
Queen Being, B E E I N G dot com. Angie Atkinson on YouTube, Angie Atkinson on um, most socials, also Coach Angie Atkinson on TikTok. I'm all over the place. That's all. <laughs> all right. Very good. I like that. I like that. And I want to thank the three of you once again for uh, being guests here on the Hidden Narcissist webinar presented by the Hidden Gateway podcast, Dr. Angel Storm, Yasmin Ibrahim, and Angie Atkinson. And if anyone listening now um, needs help, these are the three to reach out to. They uh, get out and to, to where you need to be with uh, healing. And uh, to everyone, thanks again. I want to tell everyone to be sure to subscribe to the Hidden Gateway on YouTube to keep up with our fascinating podcast each week. And in fact, on October 14th, this discussion continues. Um, I'm publishing a podcast uh, where I interviewed uh, Mr. Keith Campbell, which is really good. So tune in for that on the 14th. Um, this webinar will also be published on uh, my YouTube as well and other platforms. I'll post that to uh, my website too. I want to thank everyone that checked in and registered for the website. As always, be blessed, stay positive, stay questioning. The Hidden Gateway, out. <laughs>